With us now for Sports Chat is Brian Waddle, who has been at the cricket all day. Good evening, Brian. Hi, Susanna. Yeah, most of the day. I left oh, a little bit early to get home to beat the traffic, but, uh, you know, I, I was there. I thought for a while we were going to be in with a fairly good chance of setting a target for the English side, but um, sudden lapse of wickets towards the end something that's been pretty peculiar to this side in recent times. Four wickets fell in the space of five runs, and from being able to leave England somewhere around about 300 runs to win, it ended up being about 258, and by stumps it was 210. So I was feeling confident that we might be in with a chance. I'm not quite so confident now. Stranger things have happened on the last day of a Test match, but... Uh, it's been pretty painful three days leading up to today when they managed to put together a substantial total, 483. That, that's a great total for the Basin Reserve, but you know it's left England with still a comfortable chance. Hmm. Well, okay, first question. What do you think's happening? And then, of course, we need to celebrate Kane Williamson. Is it in that order, or do we want to just not go into what's going on and just focus on the wins. Uh, anyway, I'm leaving that to you, Brian. I can't tell you about cricket. You've got to tell us. <laughs> yeah, look, uh, it would be a long um, discussion, I would think, because New Zealand is basically in a, a rebuilding phase. After being the world champions two years ago, they've still got some wonderfully gifted players. You know, they've got three players who are averaging at test match level in excess of 50. That's outstanding. Uh, they've got um, Blundell, who got 80-odd, 90 today, um, Devon Conway and um, Mitchell. And uh, they've got some very good players, but they're just not performing to their ability. And I think that uh, at some stage they may well have to uh, look at making some changes. There's no real drive from anybody to make change, but, of course, when things aren't going as well as you expect, then change does come to the fore. But you're right. Let's celebrate Sir Kane Williamson because uh, he just proved once again after a string of lowish scores that he is the one world-class player that we've got in our ranks at the moment. He became the highest run scorer, overtaking from another world-class player who, of course, retired uh, last year, Ross Taylor. And Williamson now 7,787 test match runs uh, at an average of 53 outstanding figures. He became the highest century maker, recently now has 26 test match hundreds. That's spectacular in itself. Ross Taylor, again, was the man he overtook on that occasion. He had 19 test match hundreds. But Williamson uh, is, is one of those gifted players who never really seems to panic. He was on 99 for a long period of time, and England looked as though they wanted to prevent him from getting that single. They had the field in close. They were taking every opportunity to shut down his scoring opportunities. But Williamson has just wonderful patience and excellent judgment, and he managed to find the the gap in the field and to bring up that uh, 2600 people always say to you, you know, is, is he the greatest that we've had? Well, we've had this discussion about other sports, other people uh, in, in the past. And uh, I think we talked about it a few weeks ago with Novak Djokovic, but it's very difficult to really put parallels between 
Kane Williamson, um, perhaps alongside Ross Taylor because they played together, but the Martin Crows of the world, the other players, uh, they fit into their own era as great players. And we just like to celebrate the fact that we've got more than one great player and each person in their own right will probably look and say, oh, I think he's the greatest or I think he's the greatest. It's very hard to do that, but I think, as you say, we've got to celebrate and acknowledge that Kane Williamson is one of our most outstanding players and, you know, he's broken, broken the records of centuries and runs and he will continue to set new marks because of the quality of his test match play. So let's enjoy it and let's enjoy Kane Williamson and long may it happen. Exactly, long may it happen. And I, and I, I also just want to note, um, it's great when we hear the word patience, isn't it? And it's great when we hear, the, hear reference to someone's calm demeanour. You know, these qualities, when, when we actually see what they demonstrate in sport, isn't it? It's quite remarkable. I just wanted to note that. Oh, it's probably yeah, a lateral it, it thing is. to say, Brian, but, you know, patience, yeah. right? Well, I, Holding it together. One of those sorts of things, yeah. Yeah, those sorts of things are hard to train. They're, they're, I think they're naturally inbuilt in people, aren't they? And, um, you know, Williamson has that gift and, and many other gifts. Uh, I mean, he's, he's worked hard to get where he is. It just doesn't happen either. I mean, and we look at all the great players that, that have that sort of patience that have done uh, exceptionally well and, and they've worked hard to get there. Um, so, yeah, it is, it is a wonderful uh, skill and ability. And Kane Williamson has it in spades. Speaking of cricket, shall we go to the Australian women now, or is it a bit too soon? Yeah. Oh, look, I hate having to um, compliment the Australians, but their women are quite outstanding when it comes to the white ball game. I was reading something just recently where the captain of the Australian side, Meg Lanning, has actually led and won more ICC title events than their most successful captain, Ricky Ponting. And that is an indication of the quality of uh, her play, the quality of the team that she has. And it's not just the team, it's the number of players who they've got to back up their side if and when some of them get injured. And the names have been around. Uh, Alyssa Healy is, uh, her, her husband is Mitchell Stark, who is the opening bowler for the Australian men's team. She's been around for a long, long time. Beth Moody, uh, Gardner, Lanning, um, Elise Perry, they, they're, they're wonderful players. They've created the benchmark for the women's game. And at the moment, there isn't too many sides around that can beat them. New Zealand played them first up in this competition and they came away and said that they were a little embarrassed by their inability to even match Australia. And, and it's been brought about over a long period of time. Uh, I think particularly New Zealand and even South Africa now have belatedly uh, been able to chase down this Australian side and the England side, which is a pretty good one as well, because they've now started to put more money into the New Zealand game. Now, money in itself doesn't uh, make you great. You then have to work on that, but at least there is that background for any women in the game now in New Zealand to earn a living. And some of the contracts are pretty good. They've got uh, two or three players who've been um, accepted into the Women's Premier League in India. So the opportunities are there. They have to do the hard work, as Kane Williamson did in the men's game, and hopefully that will bear fruit for 
the many New Zealanders who um, are, are quality players in the women's game. That's the challenge for them anyway. I mean, that's something, isn't it? For all the years that you've been commentating cricket, did you ever imagine that it would get to this for women for the women's game? It, I, I don't mean that to sound like a I trap mean, of a question. <laughs> I realise that probably no, does. No. I'm not trying to corner you, I promise. Yeah. No, no, I understand what you're saying. It, 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 to a certain extent, you knew it was always a possibility. It's taken um, too much time. And, and I think the women themselves have worked hard to get into a situation where the cricket authorities finally respect them and understand their input into the game. Uh, let's face it, I mean, cricket is not just about the men who play out there. Cricket is all about everybody involved in the game in New Zealand, and that's the club cricketer, that's the ground staff who prepare the grounds, that's the administrators. Everybody is there, and you cannot have just one selected group, as in this case, the women, not being part and not being paid fairly. So I think it's not only a sporting thing, but I think it's a uh, it's a business and occupation thing. Uh, they want to be professional cricketers. They deserve to be paid. And uh, while I thought that it would come on, and I, and I sort of expected it might have come a little bit earlier, it has come at a time, and the administrators have acknowledged that. They have created contracts that are uh, akin to the men in New Zealand cricket, and now they've got to try and build the base because you don't just build the base by throwing money at it, but at least you keep people in the game because they know, well, hey, hang on, I'm reasonably skilled here, and I can earn a bit of money. Let's up the game. And... Uh, and they are doing that, and um, we can look forward to, you know, New Zealand in the near future being able to match it with this Australian side because they're going to go through a period where many of these experienced players who've been around a long time are going to uh, slip away, retire, uh, go and do something else, but they've got the background to prepare them, and, and that's what New Zealand has to do. And, uh, you know, I see a lot of uh, young talent developing, so, you know, uh, two, three, four, five years, hopefully, we are able to do exactly the same thing with our women's game. Very good. Very good. Okay, let's change code. The Six Nations, Scotland, what's happened? Oh, the poor old Scots. A couple of weeks ago when um, I was talking about Scotland, I could see them being uh, a contender for the Grand Slam, winning the uh, the full title. But uh, unfortunately, they had to pop across the channel, play against France, and they lost 32-21. I think it was a bit of a bounce back for France because they'd had a recent loss as well. Um, Scotland are still in with a chance, but it looks very much now that the Six Nations, the Grand Slam, is going to be won by Ireland. They have a five-point lead. There's a round coming up in, ooh, I think it might be a couple of weeks. Scotland have to play Ireland. They have to beat them, they have to get a bonus point, and they have to prevent Ireland from getting a bonus point, which in itself is hard going. And England are in the same situation, that uh, they have a game against France to also give themselves an opportunity to be contenders. But at the moment, it's looking very much like uh, the Irish side. They seem to be the side to beat at the moment. And, uh, you know, it's a, it's a World Cup year, so uh, they will be confidently looking forward to taking that title in the lead-up to the World Cup later in the year. They sure will be. Red cards becoming a blot on top-level rugby. Does it need a law change? Mm. Well, I think it needs some consideration. Uh, I'm, I'm not against the red cards as such because if an infringement comes that earns a red card, then 
that is uh, acceptable because the players know the rules. It, it's it's a difficult area because it's mainly built around uh, the head and contact with the head, and that often leads to the red cards. The law change that I think they must consider, and I think rugby people would be uh, probably aghast at thinking about this, but one of the things that I don't enjoy now about watching rugby is when a side loses a team because of, um, uh, loses a player because of an infringement or a, a red card, it becomes 15 against 14. And to my mind, that takes away a bit from the contest. Um, yes, the players know, the teams know that, that the red cards are likely to do that. But uh, I, I often wonder whether or not the penalty should be a red card. That player deserves to go off, that they have uh, a period without a player and like the yellow card scenario, 10 minutes, five minutes, whatever it is deemed, then you can bring on another player to even up the contest. Uh, there was a time when red cards were few and far between. You know, New Zealand have had the odd one or two, but now they're becoming more common because of these head injuries. And I'm not at all saying that we shouldn't be uh, conscious of the problems caused by the head injuries. But what I am conscious of is that the law may need to change some of the tackling uh, techniques that are used, some of the contact that goes on between players because, you know, the head becomes an important part of many of the, the movements. You see players who are carrying the ball and they start to go towards the ground, the head comes in contact with the knee, all of a sudden that's deemed as dangerous play, which it probably is. Uh, but the poor old guy with the knee probably couldn't do much about it because the head was heading towards it. It's one of those sort of scenarios, you know, goodness me, this knee just popped out and um, made contact with my head. But I think that rugby needs to to look at the situation and uh, make sure that uh, the contest is still a fair contest. Um, the players still have to serve their penalty. But I would think that that would create a, a very interesting talking point amongst the rank and file of the hard-nut rugby followers, those people who are passionate about the game as it is. But it's changed so dramatically in recent times. Perhaps it's time to have a look. And I'd be interested to know what sort of reaction people have to considering that as an opportunity to keep 15 players on the park, just penalise the players who've earned the red cards. So just to summarise, whoever got the red card off, there's a pause in terms of that team remaining at 14 for a moment and then someone gets subbed on so that the numbers stay the same. That's what you're wanting to have happen or think that's, could be a good idea? That's, that's what I, yeah, that's what I see as a, as a discussion point because the, the contest then remains a 15 on 15. Um, you know, I, I think there would be a lot of disagreement, but I think it's, it's like anything in sport. Sometimes you have to have these discussions and people have to take part in that kind of discussion just to make up for the changes. I mean, they've already made some law changes, which I'm slowly coming to grips with at uh, the present time that I wasn't aware of. And I watched Super Rugby over the week and I saw things happen. I thought, hang on, that's not right. But then somebody said, well, that's the new laws and um, you, you have to understand it. So, you know, the game changes, it evolves, and I wonder whether that situation with the red cards is one place that it could evolve. Well, if anyone's listening and has some thoughts on that, we welcome them to 101 text or RNZ, oh, sorry, knights at rnz.co.nz. 
if you support or disagree yeah. with Brian's suggestion, I'm with you because I think that we, yeah, get get the offending players off, um, but let's also keep the game going in a certain way rather than what I, in my opinion, it yeah. goes sideways very quickly when those numbers change, numbers of players. Yeah, one too many players is always difficult to beat. <laughs> Very well put. Now, speaking of one too many players, or more to the point, injuries and spectacular try scoring, marking the opening round of the Super Rugby Pacific. Yeah. I, I, I firstly have to admit, in terms of uh, Super Rugby, because I'm a cricket man, it starts too early. Uh, they shouldn't be playing it in the middle of the cricket season. Um, but, but then there are rugby people who don't particularly like cricket, so that's fair enough. But uh, you watch it, and I watched it, and, and there were a number of uh, spectacular tries. The, the Blues playing the Highlanders um, scored eight tries in their 60-20 to 20 win over the Highlanders. Uh, the Chiefs scored four tries against uh, the Crusaders. You know, this is the side that's coached by the man who wants to be the All Black coach, and they were uh, totally outplayed by the Chiefs. They only scored one try in that game. Goodness, that right. would be a problem for the um, the coach Scott Robertson, but I'm sure he will sort it out. Hurricanes scored five tries. You know, uh, they were the exciting parts, and we know that it's a contact game. Players are going to get injured, but it's it's always harsh to have a look at some of the top players who build up for the season. They do all the hard yards. And in the first game of contact, uh, Cullen Grace from the uh, Crusaders, Anton Leonard-Brown, uh, Kerry Iwani from the Blues, all suffered injuries. And there were a couple of other players. Uh, I, I guess it's part and parcel of the sport, but you don't like to see those players having injury issues um, so early in the season. But, uh, you know, that's the uh, that's the game of of rugby, um, and I'm sure it will go on for um, a lot more of the season. And some of those players might miss World Cup chances. That, of course, is the uh, the thing that they're all preparing for this year is the World Cup later in the year in France. And uh, the injury scenario for them doesn't allow them to really develop their talents or give them the ability to uh, show the coaches and the selectors that they are up and you know ready for the World Cup. So you know, let's hope there's not too many major injuries and that um, you know the uh, the players can play the game rather than sit on the physios table. Absolutely, because as you point out, it's a long season. I'm actually speaking with James Norkisa yeah. in the next hour about his new podcast, Fair Game. And um, which is questioning mm-hmm. how fairly Pacific teams are treated by the forces that run the game. And I'm sort of curious if you've got any thoughts on that, Brian. Um, it's it's something that I haven't um, looked into deeply, and it'll be interesting to hear what he has to say. One of the things, of course, with the Pacific sides is giving them the opportunity to um, play in these competitions. And now rugby is doing that through uh, two teams in the Super Rugby Pacific competition. And they played, in fact, against each other on uh, the weekend. And uh, it was uh, an exciting and entertaining game. Unfortunately, I didn't get a chance to see it, but it was a very close uh, game. Uh, But, you know, there has always been an argument about not only the, um, the Pacific teams, but also their ability to get into New Zealand teams. Uh, New Zealand in the past have always been very quick. Oh, you know, this Samoan player, this Tongan player, this Fijian player is outstanding. Let's get him to New Zealand without really 
thinking about what is happening to the the wider game. So um, it is it is an interesting topic, and uh, uh, it's probably one that I I should uh, investigate. It'd be interesting to hear what um, he says about that. Very good. Okay, let's go to hockey. Black sticks women, the spoils with China and the USA. Yeah, they uh, they shared them. Um, they've had uh, two weeks of uh, or two weekends over a couple of weeks to uh, to play what is the FIH uh, Professional League and. Uh, New Zealand had an outstanding game on Saturday against uh, the USA women, winning by four goals to one. And of course, their uh, their leading players are um, very important. Olivia Shannon is one of those players who's been a goal scorer, and, and she's um, only a young lady. She's not been around uh, the New Zealand side since almost um, you know the end of her school days, and she's an outstanding player. A lot of the good players. Moved on, so they're looking to um, uh, newer players to fill the breach that's left by the departure and retirement of players, and they've done that reasonably well. Four-one over the United States, but I guess it must have taken a, a heap out of them because the Chinese beat them five-two the next day. Um, I don't know if you've seen much hockey in recent times, but of course, hockey is a non-stop game. They play. Four quarters of 15 minutes. They have two minutes between the first and second and 10 minutes between the second and third for a half time. But because of the uh, substitutions that are required and they need a lot of those so they can refresh their players, it sometimes becomes a very much pressure situation. The Chinese side had played against the USA and lost 2-0 on the Friday, but New Zealand had to play Saturday and Sunday of course, they, they may well have been a bit short of steam when they came up against China, losing 5-2. But this uh, league goes around the world. New Zealand have matches coming up in uh, March with uh, the uh, Australian uh, women. Uh, I think it's March or it might be April. By uh, Yeah, it is. It's April. Great Britain and Australia. And, and they were playing... Australia and New Zealand actually on Anzac Day. So uh, that will be something to look at because uh, they're very close, those two teams. And uh, it, it'll be great to see the Australians back here and, of course, the Great Britain women's team. Very good sides. And uh, the exposure of hockey in New Zealand is, uh, is brilliant. Hockey is brilliant. Couldn't agree with you more. I'm looking. We've got just over three minutes but we can we can do it right. These two topics. I don't want to cut you oh, off. That's so why I'm giving sure you. I'm can. giving you. We've got three minutes. Phoenix retained fifth spot yeah. in the A League. Way you go. Oh yeah, that's important too. Because isn't it? It's great. Down to, yeah, they're getting down to the business end of the competition, and of course, many of their key games are being played in Australia. They have a home and away situation, but they were playing the second. Uh, place team, the Central Coast Mariners, away in Gosford. And they were 1-0 down after about 10 minutes. And uh, that went right the way through the game. The final period had nine minutes of injury time on top of the 90 minutes that they played. So about five minutes from the end, the leading goal scorer, um, Zavada, was able to net 94 minutes of play they'd got, and that gave them the draw and the ability to take a point from the game, which kept them, as I say, in fifth place. 
they're behind uh, the teams ahead of them, Melbourne City, Central Coast Mariners, uh, Western City Wanderers and Adelaide United. They come home uh, this weekend to play against Newcastle Jets below them on the uh, the ladder. And if they're able to uh, win that game, then they're starting to cement themselves in the top five, uh, which is important because it's only the final round is played on the top six. And um, the higher you get, the more chance you've got of uh, having a home semi-final. So uh, at the moment, fifth is good, but they want to get a little bit higher if they can. We all want them to get higher. This is key. Okay, we've got a exactly. minute and a half, all black sevens. Yeah, well, just what do we need to know? Just just another outstanding performance. They beat Argentina in the final in Los Angeles. Weather conditions weren't great over there for this competition. They seem to be playing around in a swimming pool on one of the games that I saw earlier today. But uh, they had uh, won the game against Argentina. They've taken another title, and uh, they were happy to celebrate because. Times past in recent competitions, they haven't quite been able to nail the final game. There was a game uh, recently where they were beaten in the last movement of the game and uh, were disappointed to not finish up taking a title. This time they've taken a title. They've done it convincingly. And it seems to be the redevelopment of the All Black Sevens. And, of course, we know how good the women's team is too. Uh, They also have um, had a remarkable performance. I don't think that they played. I didn't see uh, any results or any on the television, but it was exciting to watch the uh, the men beat Argentina and uh, do it in such an emphatic style and take away a title. Good on them. Good on them indeed. I've got a couple of texts that have come through. I'm going to try and squeeze them in before the pips. Here we go. This is yep. in response to the red card scenario we were talking about. Yep. Uh, Di says, sending a player off and having the team one player down is motivation for the player not to offend again. Nothing other than letting team members down. Cheers, Brian.